Akomi, the African Communities of Manitoba, Inc., is uniting the Winnipeg community through unity, friendship of people of African heritage in Manitoba, and, un and creating understanding between peoples of African heritage and Canadians of all backgrounds. With it being Black History Month, I wanted to connect with Akomi to learn about the organization and some of its programs coming in the future. Hi, my name is Tolui Lilaboye. I am the Director of Operations of the African Communities of Manitoba, or as we, I suppose, more commonly are known as ACOMI. Um, I have been with the organization for about nine or ten years now. I actually just recently stepped down from the board to take on this role to really try to kind of bolster the work that we've been doing and bring us up to full speed to say, let's move into the future at, at full steam. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now and who I am. What is uh, ACOMI? Is that uh, how you say the acronym properly? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what is the organization? ACOMI is an organization that kind of focuses that, I shouldn't say kind of, but ACOMI is an organization that focuses in on providing culturally relevant supports to people of African descent in Manitoba, while also looking at how can we advocate for people who identify as Black, African, Caribbean, person of African descent to ensure that they can find a safe, sense of safety and belonging in the province. And so we do things from advocacy to governance models and support to other affiliate organizations, again, of which we have 42 with the organization registered. Uh, and then we also do provide free tax clinics, for example, a large portion of our participants at our resource center that we run in downtown Winnipeg um, actually engages a large population of Indigenous folks as well. Um, and the broader population, our women's program is for um, all women, despite where you come from. And so with that program, we actually had quite a few women from East Asia. And so the pro, although we do um, identify as a Black-led, Black-owned organization or a 3B organization as a popular term right now, we don't restrict our programming to people of African descent. We really do try to make sure that we are building inclusivity in our province and building cultural relevancy and supports through diversifying our program to include everybody. Yeah, just being a part of a community, regardless yeah. of like someone's background. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a little bit of a goldfish brain in terms of when people start saying numbers, but uh, you mentioned there was 43 different uh, communities that make part of this organization. Yeah, so we have 42 different affiliate organizations um, who are registered with ACOMI at this time. And that number fluctuates obviously year to year, but those organizations are made up of um, smaller cultural groups. So whether it be the Sierra Leone group or there's maybe four or five different Nigerian groups, but they all kind of represent different um, communities within the Nigerian context. We have Ghana Union, we have Congo, but we also on top of that have Black-led, Black-owned organizations like the African Movie Film Festival and Africana who are members of the organization. So those organizations also do their own programming and things like that as well. Um, and they're not just focused on one cultural group. So those 42 members make up everything that a Comey is and that's how we function as an umbrella organization um but we you know we rely on the support and community development of these individual groups to be able to do the work that we do so we really are kind of looking at it akomi as a community organization that works with community organizations to do the work that we see on the ground yeah so sort of a a bridge or a hub between all of these different organizations and communities. Yeah, exactly. We really try to pull, you know, in 2020, we uh, were 
one of the forerunners in creating the Black Community Collective, for example. So uh, Comey kind of stands as one of the larger Black organizations, Black survey organizations in the province and one of the more established ones, particularly on the African side. And so we... In 2020, we, after the murder of George Floyd, we decided to bring together all the black serving organizations across the city of Winnipeg predominantly to kind of come together as a single black community collective to talk about some, some of the issues that we've been seeing and to collectively respond to what we had seen with um, the Black Lives Matters protests and what we were seeing against, you know, anti-black racism in our province. And so work like that is kind of what founds Akomi as, as a pillar of this community and being able to really bring our community together and also create opportunities for individuals and families and, and children and youth in our communities as well. When we're seeing like uh, is- issues of like the, the death of George Floyd and um, Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of that focuses on, you know, the states. What What is that kind of relationship here in Manitoba for the uh, black community? I think it's actually a really challenging misconception to think that that racism like that only happens in the States. You know, shortly, shortly before George Floyd was murdered in the States, we had a murder. We had the murder of a black man by um, or a detaining of a black man by police officers in Manitoba. Right. So when you when you think about the situation, we think about the States, we think about, um, you know, the political movements of America, the civil rights movements in America. But. The fact of the matter is that that stuff happens in Canada, but as we've seen with many protests, many um, movements across this country, it's difficult in Canada, I think, to get a, a national movement going because we are so large. And I think Canada splits itself very distinctly into three major groups. And then even within those groups, it's there's smaller groups, um, notwithstanding the trucker protests, uh, which I won't necessarily <laughs> in my true honest feelings about that's a can of worms we don't need to open up right now navigate. but i think you know we 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 come people often think oh well it's not like that in canada but i think about the fact that i went out i, I say this tell the story often but i went out to Pinawa and i was just there with a group of friends where there's all women of color mostly black and there was a guy there wearing a confederate flag hat you know that i've had instances of i was coming out of church one day and some some two guys in windsor park drove past us screaming niggers right like that kind of stuff happens in canada all the time and to 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 i guess minimize the fact that that doesn't happen maybe we don't see it we don't because i mean a lot of our news comes from states we don't really talk about some of these things in the same way in canada because we really do promote our multicultural and multiculturalism and diversity, which is really important, but also that can't overshadow the fact that these things are still happening. There's a reason why there was an anti-racism, sorry, anti-Asian hate um, movement. There was a reason why there's Black Lives Matters movements happening here in the province, happening here in this country, because um, these, these things happen. And we hear these stories all the time. People come to Canada, they just want to get a job and they can't even get a job. And so it's not even just at the community level. It's in employment. It's in education. There's a project we're actually working on right now called the Then and Now Project, which paints a picture of the history of Black community organizing in our province. And it's interesting because during the 60s and 70s, there was a large contingency of, in, of immigration from the Caribbean predominantly. And during that time, the folks who had come over from the Caribbean, they actually amassed themselves to organize as black organizers to actually infiltrate these different political groups and become leaders of these political groups so that we could actually have black voices in there because they were having 
to fight against, you know, their kids being in ESL classes when, you know, in Jamaica and Trinidad, English is the first language, but they were being told that they have to go to ESL, even though they speak English fluently, right? So this form of racism, the systemic racism that we see is everywhere across this country. I mean, again, coming back to the trucker protests, you can't tell me that that wasn't racially charged first and foremost, but also when you think about the, the comparisons and how that was dealt with, how, how much discrimination was inherently built into the response to that protest. And, and these, these ways we think about racism and against multiculturalism in Canada, it, it fundamentally needs to change because we see stuff like that happening here all the time. Well, I think it just really shows the systemic issues within our systems when you see this trucker protest and uh, people in power just kind of letting it happen, even though, you know, they're, they're symbols of hate being uh, flown over these um, these trucks and like swastikas drawn, uh, drawn directly on the, the Canadian flag. Whereas you see like uh, indigenous protests where they're protecting their lands from pipelines or like homeless people, they're like shuttled away when they're just trying to, you know, find a place warm. Like there's definitely a disconnect between yeah. how our um, authorities treat different people. Well, I mean, you know, I think about the protests that were happening across Eastern Canada, the Indigenous protests happening across Eastern Canada that were violently dealt with. And I think about even in Winnipeg during the Black Lives Matter protests, some of the posters that were going up saying that there would be bombings and shootings and everyone should protect themselves. And from my understanding, this was coming out of out of the, you know, authoritative bodies saying that this is what this is going to be like. Cut to scene. <laughs> And you have four or five streets blocked off by trucks and we're now all of a sudden removing mandates. And I know they say that it's not whatever or whatever, but like, you know, the, the, the difference is tangible. It's palatable. You could paint a picture and to highlight that is a critical, I think at this time, because we can say that, Hey, in Canada, this happens too. In Manitoba, this happens too. And this is the reality of what we experience. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I, I personally am really focused in on is also understanding that you don't have to be a newcomer or an immigrant to experiencing that, to experience that as a, as a black person, as a person of color, as a person of global majority, right? However you want to define that. But I, I was born and raised in Winnipeg. I, my whole life, all I know is this city and I experience racism all the time. I love this street from a house that has this very, um, to me, a very racial piece of art on there, or art piece, I guess you can call it, a structure of the sculpture on their front lawn, which is this little black boy with very big red pink lips with a wide brim hat fishing off the side of their step. That's a racially charged image to me. And to live, walk past there every single day, to drive past there every day, or however many times I leave the house, that's racism. That's fundamentally racism to me. Um, and so this is happening everywhere across. And it's, it sometimes feels like it's um, the boldness of those who are racist, oppressive, discriminatory, however you want to define it, it is getting, they're, being, they're becoming more bold. And in that boldness, um, there's more grace given to them from the people who are supposed to be shutting this down. Yeah, you're right. We should be hearing more of these stories in our Canadian media. It's definitely something that is kind of glossed over a little bit. For information months like uh, Black History Month, do you think this can help 
inform the public about some of the, uh, these issues that black Canadians are, are facing uh, and kind of give awareness for them to maybe empathize better with, you know, the experiences black Canadians have gone through. I think what's really beautiful about Black History Month, I mean, Manitoba, we have Black History Month, Manitoba, who works on building knowledge and experience around what's going on in our Black communities from the historical aspect, but also right now where people can get engaged. And I think there's a lot of power in that to be able to say, uh, you know, this month is dedicated to this group, to us, to say, come and engage with us, come and learn about the culture, so come and understand what's going on. So that I, I think there's a lot of power in that. I think there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Um, I do think that we could um, look at Black History Month not only as a single month and like really build it into our education and build it across the year, right? Um, you know, I think about Indigenous People's Day as about, like, you get a single day for our people that have been here, they're forever right? <laughs> yeah. um, so i think that their black history month definitely gives opportunity to highlight what's happening but i also think about movements like um the united nations declaration for people of african descent which ends in 2024 and how can we highlight that ongoing throughout the year to be able to say let's talk about these issues but also let's talk about how we can all connect because it's not necessarily just about empathizing it's also about actioning that i think that a lot of the work has historically been placed on the people who've been historically oppressed and so it's time for the people who have been the oppressors to deliberately and intentionally and fully engage with these with these movements to fully engage with even just something as as little as come and volunteer donate five dollars monthly right to a black led organization buy black like go and find there's black owned manitoba you can check out black businesses go and support these organizations fund and support the, these communities that have been historically disadvantaged you're you're 100 right we need to kind of change our lens and focus to in incorporate you know, minority communities into the mainstream and into the mindset year round, whether it's like uh, a pride, like Asian Heritage Month, what, whatever organization or like, or um, denomination or group that yeah. kind of has this one month where it's focused, like we, we need to tie that into just society. Like we're just so concerned about like in the West, it's like whiteness and like being cis or straight is kind of like, the standard overview but that needs to shift yeah no absolutely there are some really cool things happening at uh, akomi uh mm. what are some of the programs that are coming up and i know you uh, uh they recently hired a uh, new director of community programs we're really excited we've seen so much growth it's been really exponential and so kind of coming back to what i just said um after the after 2020 we've really seen uh, a huge influx of support. So I'm not saying when I, everything that I said previously, um, it's not to say that we haven't seen support come through and people really step up and stand up with us. We've seen, for example, the Black Community Collective transitioned into helping to form the Police Accountability Coalition, for example. So a lot of really cool new partnerships in there. We hired a new director of programs to help grow our programming, to increase our outreach. Because of that, we were able to start our, our seniors program, which is amazing. We've had a lot of uh, African seniors say that where do we go? <laughs> so, uh, all the aunties and uncles, they're coming. <laughs> we take them to games, you know, 
hockey games, football games. We go out and do activities, which has been really great. We also have an upcoming free tax clinic, which we're really excited about. Um, so if you want to get your taxes done for free, you can come down to the Akomi Resource Center. We're also launching a new project right now that we're so pumped about. It's called the Then and Out Project. And it basically paints a picture of Black community organizing in this province from the individual level all the way to some of the biggest level, you know, anti-apartheid movements, Black Lives Matters protests, all of these different um, major movements that we've seen in, in the past. So that project, I'm really pumped about it. It's going to be a digital library of content and history in this province. Um, so we are constantly evolving with what's going on, with what the community needs uh, from, you know, our, again, our women's program, we're transitioning our youth program, making it bigger. We partnered with Royal Bank of Canada to offer larger scholarships to Black Manitobans, uh, Black Manitoban youth particularly. So there's, I can't even go through the whole list because it's constantly changing. Um, hiring a director of community programs really allowed us to be able to um, upscale a lot of the work that we're doing, provide more services, but you know, we can always continue to use that support. We can always continue to use the financial support, the physical support. Um, so we always encourage anybody and everybody to come on down and hang up. That's a lot of stuff and it sounds really cool. I'm really excited to see how everything kind of like comes together in the uh, the coming months. Totally, I'm so pumped for the summer. I think it'll be good. I also am hoping and thinking that Folklorama will be back, which means that we'll get the Africa Pavilion back on track. Um, so that's the one of the largest pavilions. I mean, it hosts we every country from Africa. So it's not just one country, it's literally the entire continent of Africa. So. Uh, hopefully Folklorama pops off again this summer. We'll have another festival. Hopefully all of our performers have been working hard <laughs> to change up their dance. Yeah, I know I know there's a little hesitation when we're hearing the announcements from the government about like restrictions like ending so quickly, but there's also like that feeling inside me that I'm kind of a little excited to see how things happen and you know, if, if we can finally get to kind of a normal uh normancy that Yeah, totally. I think you know, being able to um, reconnect with people without the idea of being like, are we allowed to be here? <laughs> I think, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, so I think that'll be, I think it'll be really good. I think it'll relieve a lot of people, um, remembering all the people who, uh, may not be as open to this, but I think that there's good and bad in everything. Right. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe having another folk around this year, even if it's a smaller scale, because the Africa pavilion, um, is, part of our community advocacy. It's part of our community building. Um, Saturday night, we don't have an after party, but Saturday night, everyone stays and cleans up and it is the best party. Your DJ is amazing. <laughs> and he plays music and we just clean and it's the best part of my entire summer usually. So uh, I hope to see something like that again. Yeah, kind of going out and seeing people's faces is yeah. going to be exciting and being able to like share food. And it's something that has been dearly missed <laughs> i think so too and you know when you talk about food african communities and food it's the way that we connect you know you go to an auntie's house or whatever and they're going to offer you peanuts and a coca-cola and a full pound of yam meal and just everything on the table right so you're not going home empty-handed and you're not going to come and sit hungry right so uh being able to connect around just sharing community again will be really wonderful where can be uh where can people go to uh if they want to join akomi and where can they find more information yeah for sure um definitely take a look at our website um www.akomi.ca we also have instagram facebook 
LinkedIn, our YouTube page is lacking, but it is there. <laughs> um, and our website's actually under construction, but feel free. All You can also reach out to us, info at acomi.ca, pretty easy, um, acomi, A-C-O-M-I. So reach out to us, connect with us. We're also doing this month for every single person who connects with us during Black History Month. You have the opportunity to view a film called Beyond Kinks and Curls, and you also get free hair product for kinky and coily hair for courtesy of Lush Cosmetics. So that's a huge boon. Connect with us this month and you get free hair product. I mean, that's a that's a win. <laughs> that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So connect with us, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one. <laughs>